You have to admit to yourself that you're the problem. If you want to grow, tell yourself that you're the problem. You know, at the end of the day, you only control one thing in life. You control yourself. That's it. You don't control what happens around you. You don't control what happens to you, but you can control the way you react and how your emotions are. And this is the first thing you need to understand because most people never get that. Most people blame others for their problems when at the end of the day, they are the cause of most of their issues because, oh yeah, that person did that to you. Okay, sure. Why is that person in your life in the first place? If you know they're assholes, that's on you. You remove the people from your life that are not beneficial to you. Last year, I... Shit, I don't know if I should talk about this, but you know what ayahuasca is? What the hell is up, you guys? Nico the Smiling Vegan is joining me today. He is a focus coach, award-winning athlete in martial arts. He's a sports commentator, podcaster, and so much more. And today we're going to talk all about veganism, ways of advocating, mindset, different routines, what he eats for protein. We're also going to talk about how he is living proof that you do not need meat to be manly. And we're just going to talk about some tools for success. And and I think that uh, Nico has opened my eyes to a lot of new ways of advocating. So I'm really grateful that you were able to join me today. Thank you for coming on, Nico. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. So who are you? What do you do? What's your story? Who am I? That's a good, that's a loaded question. That's philosophical <laughs> right there. That could take a long time to answer. Uh at the end of the day, I think I'm just a happy guy that tries to be as kind as possible. I'm just, I think I come from a, a weird background and got out of it when I was in my 20s. And then over the years, I've evolved quite a bit. Even the past two years, I don't think I've changed as much in my life as I changed over the past two years. So um, I think I'm an eternal student. That's how, that's how I would describe myself. Wow. Yeah. I mean that, I think it's super important to always be open-minded and keep learning and keep bettering yourself. I know that I'm definitely trying to do more of that. So, uh, yeah, that's amazing. So can you tell me a little bit about how you, first of all, how did we meet? Like, how did you find my page? I think I reached out to you for a podcast months and months and months ago. I think that's how it started like in the last year i think i found your profile or your page however it's called on instagram i never know but i found you we did i think two podcasts i think you did a podcast with me and i did a podcast on yours and yeah i've been following you ever since and i reached out last week i think regarding the um i guess you'd call it the new format that you have i like it better I like it better. I, I know we'll get into that, but yeah. I'm I not the biggest do. fan of the <laughs> activist militant. I'm not the biggest fan of that. So I think the the humor that you're trying to show and more yourself, because the video one of the videos you release, you're like baffled by what the guy's saying about the, the fish that he has in his bag. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? <laughs> and that face is priceless, right? Oh my God. Thank yeah. you. I think, you know, I've really lost myself in the midst of all the suffering yeah. and animal torture that I've seen. And it's been really hard and I'm trying to kind of reignite who I am and, and the Jamie that I've always been, but also be able to advocate in a way that reaches people and that's effective. So thank you. I appreciate that. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you am vegan? Like, were you vegan your whole life? Uh, I got, long story short, I, my dad was diagnosed with cancer about 12-ish years ago. And it was one of those freak cancers, like he was in his 50s. And it's a cancer that old people in their 80s, it's a smoking cancer, never smoked in his life. So very, very strange cancer. And I wasn't too sure how to deal with it. One of my friends, which was vegetarian back then and on the Buddhist track, if you will, gave me a Buddhist book and I started reading it. And around the same time, I saw earthlings. Uh, so, yeah, I saw earthlings and I just stopped. I became vegetarian more than 12 years ago. And I wasn't I didn't know about the 
I don't know if you saw the documentary, but they don't talk about the milking industry. They don't talk about fur. They don't really touch. They touch the meat portion, but they don't touch the rest. So, and I'm not a fan of looking, of watching those videos where you see animals get tortured. I, If people on my feed keep on posting that, I block them. I don't need to see what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. I don't need to see that stuff on a daily basis. And yeah, so for the longest time, I didn't realize that the milk industry was, was as bad, if not worse, than what they do to the meat industry. And four to five years ago, somewhere in there, I realized, I, don't, I, I can't tell you what's the, the exact moment that made me go vegan, but as soon as I realized that it was as bad, I just completely changed. And here I am, five, four years-ish more looking great feeling great absolutely so when you say that you block people you don't want to see the animal cruelty footage anymore which i understand i do get what made you actually go vegan though uh well it's it's a simple fact that to me veganism is not my let me put it this way the reason i went vegan is because it's part of my spirituality I want to become the kindest person that I can become and participating in cruelty is not a way to be kind. So Mm -hmm. veganism is just one step in my spiritual journey, if I can put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have to know your limits, what you're able to take and, you know, for me, it was definitely seeing that footage. And that's why I think it's important, especially for meat eaters to look at the footage, to be confronted with it, and hopefully for them to change. But of course, unless people are ready to change, they're not going to. Uh, But I think uh, it becomes overkill when, you know, especially me being somebody that's going to slaughterhouses and seeing it all the time, you almost become desensitized to it. And then it hits you in waves and like really weird random moments where I'm like, I I break down out of nowhere. And I'm like, why am I crying right now? And it's like trauma. It's built up trauma because it is so cruel and so horrific. Um, So what, what, so you become vegan was it hard at first? What was that transition like for you? When I went vegetarian, it was one day I was eating meat. The other day I wasn't anymore. Vegan was the same thing. It's just, I'm a very strong-minded person. So if I take a decision, it's just, it is what it is. And I don't, I don't question it anymore. I don't, it's, you know, when you don't do it necessarily for yourself, you do it for something else, for the animals in this case it's very easy to remain vegan because it's not a pleasure. Why would I participate in that? I have a conscience, and I don't want to, I don't need to inflict cruelty or pain to any living creature. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. That's definitely why I did it. I think for a lot of people, the social aspect of it becomes difficult and like when you're around all your friends like I was in in high school when I first went vegetarian and I just remember you know going out to the diner late at night with my friends and everybody's getting chicken nuggets and burgers and people are Mm -hmm. looking at me like what are you what are you doing what are you eating and even you know I think five years ago it wasn't as normalized and and whatnot and I certainly didn't know the information like I do now so I'm sitting there I'm like I don't know I just don't want to eat an animal like leave me alone and people are asking me a ton of questions I didn't really know how to answer it um so I think the social thing is a big thing so you seem very disciplined and set in your ways and you're a leader in a lot of of ways so you with your approach how do you go about advocating for the cause that's a hard question because I I've been wondering this myself recently and I see a lot of the violence that's being done on the animal like in in order for it to become food unfortunately or clothing or whatever we do with them so i see a lot of that footage and a couple weeks ago i decided that instead of showing that i will start showing more of the beautiful aspect of things so a few times a week i'm posting pictures of kids with animals all different types of animals and just i i don't know i think it's 
it's good. I agree with you to a certain extent that you do have to show the violent portion. But at the same time, I think we need to remember that at the end of the day, we're still good creatures. Like we're still kind. We're innocent and very stupid sometimes though. But we are still like, look at children. I, I believe that we have a lot to learn from children. And if you told those children where their meat comes from, I guarantee you there wouldn't be people eating meat. The next generation, if in school you would show exactly where their meat comes from, I guarantee you a generation from now, it's gone. Nobody eats meat anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just want to show that aspect too, that there is kindness to us, even though some of us are not aware. I don't know if aware of the right term, because if you don't know where your, your food comes from, it's on you. The information is out there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think we need to show the good. The um, It comes back to what I, I know we've spoken about this before, and it comes back to that again, because I think that as vegans and especially as militant vegan, we tend to forget that the people we're dealing with are humans too. And at one point, you and I were not vegan. You and I did not realize what's going on. And do you think that 10 years ago, if I would approach you in a shopping mall or in a restaurant, however it may be, and I start screaming at you and calling you names and calling you murderers as I'm painted in, in, in red to look like I'm covered in blood, would, you, would that make you change? And I guarantee you that 90, 95% of people, it won't. Because you're basically telling them that they're assholes, that they're murderers, that they're doing a lot of bad stuff. And it, they might not even realize that that's what they're doing. But that's not the, I don't believe in that approach. I don't think that you're going to get a lot of people to see the light, if you may, targeting them that way. But from experience, since I've been running my, my pot, my, my vegan page for the past year or so, I've probably had seven, 800 conversation, like different conversation with vegans. And I always ask them how they became vegan. And they, I would say that at least 75 to 80% of them was for health reason. Not necessarily that they had problems, but they wanted to feel better in their skin, not because of the animals. So I'd rather concentrate on that portion because the coaching that I do is for competitive people. So either people that work in sales, but especially people that come from a competitive background, like football in college, martial artists, like people that competed. And I know that I can sell them the idea to try a plant-based diet because it's better for them. Am I, is it the right thing to go at them and say, well, the leather that you get comes from there. That's the type of suffering you're causing animals. I don't know that they would listen. On average, they won't listen. But if I show them that a plant-based diet is better for them, eventually I know that I can approach the subject. Once they are on a plant-based diet, you can approach the subject as in, maybe those are other reasons you should look into as to why we don't eat meat or why we don't eat, we don't consume any products that are byproducts of animals, right? Totally. I think whatever we can do and try to bring people into the cause, whether it's through health, whether it's through the environment, whether it's through yep. the animals, then we should try all of that. I think what's going to keep ve people vegan in the long run is definitely the animal suffering because with <laughs> health, you know, you could have a cheesecake and you know, you're not going to die from that. Uh, so I think definitely it's a, it's a learning process and I'm still learning every day about just the effects on the environment and health. And there's so, so, so many things to learn. Even what happens to animals, there's new stuff that surprises me every single day. It's, it's really scary stuff. Um, but I think, 
yeah, I think you make a good point about, you know, do people want to be yelled at versus like, would they like to be, have, have a conversation with them? However, I do think with the fur industry, with that approach, something about those disruptions and protests really do work. And I've seen it time and time again, because you're tackling a corporation, you're tackling like an industry where these stores don't want to be disrupted, don't want to have blood poured on them. And in turn, they do change. We've seen so many stores drop fur and I think it's on their way out. And there's something about that where a lot of non-vegans do agree that fur is just so unnecessary. There is, do you know what purchasing power is? Do you know the principle of purchasing power in economics? Like supply and demand? Yeah, it, it, it touches to that, but there are I agree with disrupting. I agree that if you don't believe in a certain product or a certain company because of the products that they sell, especially now with social media and having all those companies online and you're capable of leaving comments, instead of going to a store, a physical store and starting to disrupt them, as you said, why not take those, why not build a community around veganism, have 20, 50, 100,000, I don't know, I'm just throwing numbers out there. But let's say you have 50,000 people and you say, okay, well, we are on Saturday, the 26th of March. I want you guys to go. Here's the message that we're going to do. Tag from your profile, tag the company so that they get flooded with a message that says, that let's say for uh, Canada Goose, which is a, comp- a company from Montreal, which is where I, I was born. They dropped fur or they drop, they drop the fur and they're dropping the, how do you call it? The, um, uh, the inside of the coat. I can't remember what it was. The skins, leather, the lining. No, no filling. Like, you know, the fill. Oh, fillings. down, down. Yeah, down. Thank you. So they're dropping that. And it took you guys years and years and years and years in order to get that. But if you would have simply went and attacked them where the money hurts, which is purchasing power, if you have. 100,000 people that are saying to Canada Goose, we will never buy your products again until you start producing products that are 100% vegan or that you stop using down as a, as a whole, leather as a whole. $100,000 at a grand a coat, that talks loud. That talks very loudly to people. And I know people that have three, 400,000 people following them. So getting 100,000 people to do that is not that much. Like you can probably get more in the millions of people to do that. But what I mean by purchasing power, it's just a principle that you put everybody's money together and you complain as a whole instead of complaining individually. I think that's this is where, because let's yeah. not lie to each other. Those companies don't give a fuck that they're using animal or not. I guarantee you that Canada Goose at the end of the day does not care that its products are vegan. They don't care. What they care is that they make money. So -hmm. if you affect their money, they will bend to your will because you're not purchasing anything from them. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's, you know, something to really consider. And I think, um, I think people definitely should be doing tweet storms. And I, I know that the groups are, I mean, I've definitely sent a few emails to heads of companies and there's, I actually spoke with this guy, PJ Clark, and he is somebody that works with the humane society and they have meetings with people that are heads of the companies and they're able to they're actually able to suggest new materials that the company can use that are both cost-effective and environmentally friendly and also good for the animals. And so that is something that I think helps, but I think it's a joint effort. You know, one, we don't need one avenue. I think we need 10 avenues. And then from there, we can see what hits them the hardest and what really works. Um, So talking about just advocating and mindset and you're, you are always striving to be better, to be more positive, to get into a good yeah. mindset. Talk about some of the practices that help you with this. One of them is behind me is actually reading. It's it's one thing that unfortunately I don't think we do enough anymore. We're too spent. Like I spend normally about an hour a day reading. And yeah, yeah, it's something I really, and I listen to audiobooks at the same time. So so normally I have one audiobook going 
when I work out and then I have a book going in the morning, that's the first thing I do when I get up. I think this, I think education is the best thing, but not necessarily, I'm not the biggest fan of self-help books because they're bullshit. Like they're really meant to sell. They're not meant to help you. It's, you know, it's one of those things that you have to admit to yourself and that's going to sound bad for most people, but you have to admit to yourself that you're the problem. If you want to grow, tell yourself that you're the problem because you are in fact in charge of, you know, at the end of the day, you only control one thing in life. You control yourself. That's it. You don't control what happens around you. You don't control what happens to you, but you can control the way you react and how your emotions are. And this is the first thing you need to, you need to understand because most people never get that. Most people blame others for their problems when at the end of the day, they are the cause of most of their issues because, oh yeah, that person did that to you. Okay, sure. Why is that person in your life in the first place? If you know they're assholes, that's on you. You, you remove the people from your life that are not beneficial to you. And to answer your question, that's what I did. Last year, I, shit, I don't know if I should talk about this, but I'm a big fan of uh, hallucinogen. I'm a fan of, um, I'm a fan of entheogens, as we, we should call them. I did a, you know what ayahuasca is? Yes. Tell me about this. Yes. (laughs) So I did ayahuasca three times last year. And the first time was around April last year. I wasn't happy at my job. I wasn't happy in a lot of things that I did. And we're talking mid COVID, right? So I did ayahuasca within a week. I had a doctor's appoint, a doctor's note saying that I was off of work and I ended up being off work for three months. And I live in the middle of the woods, right? I live in the, in a wood, like a, a wood, a wood cabin in the middle of nowhere. And I spent three months. Yeah. I ended up spending three months by myself, just figuring out who I've become, what did I want to do and what, what, what's coming next. Right. So, yeah, I ended up spending three months alone. I, I did go during those three months. Actually, I did decide my whole life. I wanted to have a motorcycle. I just never got around to doing it. So I did the permits. I got the bike and I spent three weeks with my tent I did like thousands and thousands of kilometers and I just left for three weeks by myself just explored so I think this is what's missing is we're so overstimulated by everything today like look at right now I have one laptop a screen screen laptop phone 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 camera lights like there's stuff in my face day in day out and we're never it's like we're not, we never allow ourselves to be bored anymore. We never allow ourselves to connect with who we actually are. And I think this is the biggest problem that we have in society today. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we want. And we never allow ourselves to find out. Mm, and I think people get scared by the idea of sitting in silence and being with their own thoughts yeah. in their own. Of head. course, your thoughts are fucking scary. Mm-hmm. They're ve- they can be very, very scary. Oh, yeah. Tell, d- tell me about it <laughs> for sure. There's uh, my favorite psychiatrist is called uh, Carl Jung. He's dead like he's not alive anymore. But he used to say that. Um, in order for the for the branch of a tree to reach heaven, its roots need to be in hell. So when you when you think about it, you have a bad side to yourself. You have a good side to yourself, which is why we have the yin yang, right? But it seems that we're so oblivious to the fact that we're very violent creatures. We are animals at the end of the day. But unless you understand that you're capable of great violence how can you ever be good if you never get to control that portion of you if it controls you because that look at the people around you next time something happens next time next time you're around people and that's something not necessarily crazy but something happens that creates a reaction look at the people how they just react they don't even think about it they just something happens and right away they react 
nobody anymore just, okay, something happens. They just stand there and analyze what's going on. Take a step back and just say, okay, this is the situation I find myself into. What now? What should I do? What's the smartest thing I can do right now? We don't do this anymore. And this is because we don't know we don't know each other. We don't know ourselves. We're so preoccupied. We're so into this is what's interesting because we're so into ourselves as in we're selfish but we never take the time to get to know who we truly are it's amazing i don't understand how that makes any sense to people that is such a good quote i love that i really love that it's It's, very strange i feel like for most people it's you go to work you got nine to five you're at a computer all day you're in the office and then you go out and you drink with your friends and most people spend their free time just out on the weekends going to bottomless brunch you know with the with the guys with the girls and uh it's how can i fill my time up you know and and even just going to the gym for an hour a day feels like a lot of time, you know? So I think that's really important. And so you, you're talking about, you really had this like massive shift and transition yeah. in just two years. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're at this job, you really don't like it. You're like, I know I got to do something, but what actually pushed you to just take that leap? Was it doing the ayahuasca? And also explain what ayahuasca is for people that don't know what it is. I can start there if you want. Ayahuasca is is two roots that come from the Amazon. Most of the time it comes from Peru or Brazil. It's their roots that are mixed together. They're boiled. There's a process to it. But it turns out to be somewhat of a weird looking red liquid that tastes like incense. It tastes like it does not taste good. But the whole point is to have okay let me put it this way if you consider the way you live right now so everybody's heard of the word ego before if you put it into perspective ego is not that hard to understand what your ego is from around the age of five or six when you're you're still a kid your brain starts to realize the type of person that you are like i'll give you an example do you have to look at a doorknob before you grab it to open the door i do Oh, wait, no. No, if you look at a door, next thing you know, there's a door. Next thing you know, you're on the other side of the door. Right. That's because over the years, your brain has understood that that's what you do with a door. So it doesn't even ask you anymore to think about what you have to do. It just does it for you. So think about that being your ego. So all the automatic things that you do in your life, like your reaction, for example, to situations, that's your ego. That's you don't even need to think you just do because you're unaware of what's actually going on. So simply put, this is your ego. It's the automatic thing that your subconscious mind does in order to make your life easier. But by doing that, that means that you're missing a lot of the things that's going on around you because you're not focused on those because your subconscious mind is saying, don't worry about this. I got you. You do what the podcast we're doing right now. But don't worry about the rest. I got you. We're do- I'm doing it for you. Ayahuasca removes that. So ayahuasca kind of takes that portion of you. And it, it, I like to say that it recalibrates your head. If you think of yourself as being an antenna and you can only, you know, the AM, FM, you're still, a young, you're still young. So I don't know if you know what those are. I'm just messing with you. But the radio, you know, the AM, FM radio? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When you're in between channels, you don't hear shit. It's just static. Well, that's what it does. When you, and, when you and I are normal and the ego is taking care of everything, you're in between channels. You're not hearing what's actually going on around you. You're just seeing what you want to see or see or hear what you want to hear. But ayahuasca removes that. It kind of puts the ego aside and you get to experience the world like you were a child again. So you get to see everything that's around you. Like I've, I've had conversation with the earth when I was on ayahuasca. Like I was able to breathe as the earth, it's really fucked up to say, but I could feel the earth. I was connecting with the earth. I was connecting with birds and animals outside. It's, it's quite the experience, but a lot of messages come from taking those types of antigens. And sometimes they're good trips. Sometimes they're bad trips. Sometimes you end up crying the whole time. Sometimes you throw up. Sometimes it's just euphoria for four hours. You never know what you're going to do, what's going to happen. But uh, 
the plant, as we like to call it, always tells, always gives you what you need, not what you want. So the first trip that I had, I experienced, as, as weird as this is going to sound, I felt that God was holding me. It's like love, ultimate love held me for four hours. That's all my trip was. There was nothing more, nothing less. And yeah, after that, I'm like, I can't continue living the way I live. So I took three months off, concentrated on myself, and I finished with another ayahuasca ceremony, except we did it twice. We did it on, you go there on the Friday, you have a ceremony that lasts four hours. Then you sleep over there. You don't talk for the whole day on the Saturday. And then on the Saturday, you have another ceremony and the trips are completely completely different like they're not the same at all at all but all to say that i do believe that most people should try it because they will connect imagine having imagine having something hold a mirror to you all your dark little secrets that you've been avoiding and kind of try not to think about ayahuasca exposes them for you it doesn't allow you and you can't run away from it you're not in control when you're under the influence, it is not up to you. You simply go through it. And the less resistance that you provide, the better the trip will be. Because if you're fighting with yourself, you'll never win. Wow. Were you in Peru and were you with other people? I've done it once years ago when I was in Peru. But I know I'm lucky enough to know a shaman here that has... Him and his wife has a house in the middle of nowhere and they do ceremonies a few times a year. And here where I'm from, it's actually legal. So the ayahuasca is shipped up from Peru and the Canadian government allows it because it's under a specific church. So they, it's completely legal what they do. And I, I recommend it. I recommend it to people. If you guys are, you're not scared to get to know yourself for real. Yeah. Are you running up to people and like being weird or is it like an internal thing? Yeah. Uh, while you're, you're not dealing with, let's just say that normally the way it works, I think we were one, two, three, four, we were eight last time. And there, they were six people that were part of the ceremony itself. Like you had, the shaman, you had his wife, and then you had four other people that were there to help because some of the people have never done it. So they somewhat need to be guided because most people don't go through a good time. The experience itself is not necessarily the best, but it's extremely revealing. And it's what you take out of it afterwards. That's where the, the benefits are. It's not the trip itself. The trip itself for most people is not very pleasant. And you tend to throw up, you tend to have a diarrhea problem. So you get to spend time in the bathroom. So you, it's good to have people show you what to do when you don't know what to do. Jeez, guys, use this um, cautiously, okay? Like, the, we're not just running into the woods this weekend and doing ayahuasca. Definitely research. You can't find it either way. It's not the type of stuff that you can find on. It needs to be connected from people out of either... Per, the amazon like the amazon right so exactly. you're not going to find that it's not like finding magic mushrooms for example where you can find that pretty much anywhere yeah but ayahuasca is not that type of stuff so but there's uh what's the name of the book it's i think it's called funny enough i think it's called ayahuasca yeah it's a book this book. one here it's called ayahuasca by javier riguero and it's a shaman from the amazon that explains how it works how you should do it it's if you're ever interested in having a spiritual awakening let's say ayahuasca is a great way to have it maybe it'll make people go vegan <laughs> you know what i wouldn't be surprised if it does do that to people yeah yeah i feel like these are these are medicines you know that the earth gives us to help yeah. awaken so many aspects of the mind of the body of the soul and it's all kind of hidden from us and it's like almost it's a question you're like huh like why is alcohol and you know why is that legal and and for example magic mushrooms isn't it's it's interesting 
when you think about it, it makes sense. If you do, at the end of the day, if you look at the government or the people that are in charge, if we say it that way, they don't want people that think for themselves. Look at our education system. Our education system is not there to teach you to think for yourself. It bases rewards on regurgitating what you're being told, not thinking outside the box. So alcohol numbs your brain. If you look at even smoking weed does not numb your brain. It makes you extremely inspired. So does magic mushrooms. So does ayahuasca. So does LSD. It just had, there's a guy come called Tim Leary in the 60s that kind of released LSD to the people, to the hippies. And unfortunately, it's the type of, it will never cause you physical harm. But if you're not prepared, if you're not guided, if you're not in a setting that's good for those type of experiences, you might have a very bad trip. It, it's not going to hurt you physically, but it could break you mentally, though. Those, those medicines or those drugs, however you want to call it, are not to be played with. Yeah. That's why having somebody there to guide you, having a guide or a shaman, however you want to call it, and preparation, you need to be in a good state of mind in order to, to try those things. And unfortunately, in the 60s, you had this professor slash scientist that just released it to people and people started taking it and parties and it just did not turn well. So the government just said, screw this noise. We're just making it illegal because we don't want people to go crazy. Right. And you don't so, want to abuse it for sure. No, definitely don't abuse it. It's not a party drug. It's not like smoking weed. Where pe I don't believe that any mind-altering substance should be abused. Like, I don't even drink coffee. It's been almost a year, and I completely stopped coffee because I realized after 25 years of drinking it that it does change my mental state. Every single day, two, three times a day, I was just consuming coffee because I did not want to be tired. And at the end, it's just because I wanted to. It's an addiction. I don't have anything against any drug that's out there. I think that every single drug should be legal and people should have the intelligence to know what to try it or not try it. But mind altering substances should be very. We should know as human beings that this is what we're doing. We should do it for a purpose. I do it to expand my mind, not because I'm bored. Mm, I love that. I love that. So let's get into some of your morning and nighttime routines. What are practices that help you be the best version of yourself? Reading, no doubt. Reading and meditation are probably some, those are normally the two things I start with clients is really incorporate reading in your life, incorporate meditation slash visualization. I think this is one thing that somehow we forgot, we forget to do. It's so, our mind is so powerful, so, so powerful. And it seems that nobody tells us that it's not taught in school. It's not taught anywhere, but there was a studies that was, there was a study that was made, if I'm not mistaken, in the seventies, they took a basketball team and during their break, they split the team into three. And they said to the first people, you're, you're going to practice as much as you want. The second group, they said, you're not going to touch a basketball for the whole summer. And then the third group, they told them, the only thing I want you to do is take a few minutes every day and visualize yourself playing basketball, putting into the hoop, winning games, just visualize yourself playing. At the end of the study, they turned out that the first group that got to practice got better by 24%. The second group that didn't play obviously didn't get any better. But the group that just did visualization got better by 23%. So it's almost as it's almost as powerful visualization than practicing. But instead of seeing it at two different things, imagine if you did both. Imagine if every day, if you look at top athletes or you look at top business people, their dream didn't just happen. They knew exactly how they would do it. They knew exactly what was going to happen because they saw themselves win that fight a million times in their head. 
Wow, that is so interesting. And I think writing things out can be helpful. Yeah, I mean, for a absolutely. lot of people, meditation yeah. might sound even just the word a little bit overwhelming and just like nobody knows where to start. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because it really, in essence, is just sitting there in silence and letting the thoughts pass and then gently reminding yourself to come back to the breath or to actually a specific mantra, whatever it is that you're trying to focus on. But even for myself, even getting myself to do that, to sit down and do it, is hard. I'm like, I don't want to meditate right now. I'm busy. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I don't prioritize it as much as I should. So exactly. I think it can be overwhelming. So what do you make for breakfast? Like what, what are some great vegan options that are high in protein that you love? Uh, recently I've been eating a lot of damn tofu scramble. I'm the type that finds a recipe. I'm going to eat it for two, three months in a row and then I'll change to something else. But yeah, I'd say that tofu scramble, which I'm not the biggest fan of a tofu in the first place, but yeah, I eat it every day. Absolutely. Every day. Like it's all a mix of Satan, scram a tofu scramble and beans. That's probably my three main source of protein. And I'm 215 pounds. So I'm not, I'm not a scrawny 140 pound guy. So the belief, as you were saying earlier, that being vegan is not manly. If in today's society, we assume that a manly man is somebody that can grow a beard and be muscular. Well, guess what? I know a lot of vegans that can do that. So, yeah. I love it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But there's also vegans like me. Like, I like, you know, I like doing my hair. I like uh, being girly. I don't know. Like, you know, and that's the thing. It could be for everybody. You could be an uh, old man sitting on the porch, you know, somewhere in North Carolina and, and smoking a cigar. And you could be vegan, you know. It really is is it could be for anybody so that's gonna be me one day an old man i love cigars so oh perfect <laughs> one day that's gonna be me an old man sitting on my porch with my cigar oh what exactly there you go perfect and i may join you i i have never smoked a cigar before but that may be me joining you <laughs> you know it's it veganism does not should not be your whole being being vegan should be part of who you are not what you are and this is something I see with a lot of vegans is that it seems to consume their whole life instead of being part of who they are. There's a lot more to me than to than how I treat animals and what I eat. There's a lot more to me than that. Yes. Oh, I love that. No, for sure. And I think you kind of go down the rabbit hole like I definitely yeah. have of, of I, I, and I feel like society, like a lot of my friends and family have defined me as, as the vegan yeah. girl, you know, without because it sticks out. Right. Right. Because you're, you have to remember too, that you are by being vegan, you're reminding people in a daily basis that what they're doing is wrong. This is how they see you, right? This is how they're going to see me too. They're not, they don't see me as, Oh, that's a guy that's kind to animals. No. He's that asshole that reminds me that I'm not kind to animals. That's why most vegan are hated is not necessarily because they're bad people, just because of what they represent. If you stick a mirror in somebody's face and you tell them, you know what? Maybe the reason you're fat is because you eat a lot of shit. People don't like that, but people don't like to be told that. But what is it? Chances are it's exactly what it is. You treat yourself like shit. You're going to feel like shit. Right. Right. No, it's so true. It's so true. It, it, we are that reminder. And yeah, I, I think, <laughs> unfortunately, so unfortunately, it is an important reminder because if you want a planet to live on, you know, and you want your kids to have resources and you want to be healthy, it's, it, it is an important reminder. But, you know, here we are. It's so easy to change, too. That's what's so amazing is in today's world it's not when 12 years ago when i decided to go when i decided to go vegetarian having a meal would have been a salad how many times have i ate salad and fries but today it's not the same you don't have a lot of reasons why you're not vegan today there's none you don't have oh or at least be plant-based like right. there's no reason for you not to be plant-based today there's none none except that you don't want to right 
And also the fact of the matter is there's, as you were saying, there's so many resources out there. Like if you're somebody that you know that you need more protein to be full, you could look Mm. up recipes. You could also look up, I don't know, maybe if you are somebody that's deficient in iron, you got your blood work done, you can look up iron supplements or you could get foods that are vegan and high in iron. You look at pumpkin seeds, dates, spinach is pretty high in iron. So there's so many medicinal properties in in plants that... And, and There's no reasons anymore. Let's say that. Well, people don't realize that the animals we eat are not just magically waterfalls of nutrition. Everything that they no. got, they got from plants. They were all fed plants. Yeah. And look at the, you were saying, you know, you're 215 pounds, you're a big dude. Like, look at gorillas. Look at silverback gorillas. <laughs> They're vegan. Look at elephants. They're vegan. I agree, <laughs> I agree completely. It's, there's no... And it's worth mentioning what you were saying. The, the animals that we eat, their protein comes from plant. But I think the other thing that people forget is the fact that they're, especially look in the US, you guys are terrible for that. There's a bunch of, you inject them with a bunch of antibiotics, with steroids, with all that type of crap. And where do you think that goes? You don't think that you consuming that meat, it goes into your system? Of course it goes in your system. It's freaking amazing that you're eating garbage. You're literally eating crap. Like forget the fact that it's an animal. You're eating garbage and you wonder why you feel sick. Mm -hmm. Couldn't have said it better myself. Really could not have said it better myself. So with your your coaching program and um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that and what you do and maybe somebody that's listening to this is looking for a coach. What I do is I like to help competitive people, like people from a competitive background. Like I come from basketball and fighting background and I think my brain is not wired the same way as people that are not competitive and there's nothing wrong with it i'm just saying those are the people i vibrate more with but one thing that i've noticed i'm 40 years old and if it wasn't for the the experience that i had last year i was in a point where i felt that i'm almost 40 where am i in this world how do i feel about this whole situation i lived half of my life what comes next am i happy with what i'm doing and you know, sometimes we just go on a cruise control. You're 20, you find a good job, and you just, you, you accomplish somewhat of a goal into getting that job, graduating, whatever your goal was. And then you start cruising for 10 years. And then you end up 30 and you're like, what the fuck? What, what, what am I doing now? You're, you realize that the drive that you had before is not there anymore. The competitive aspect that you have, you're not using it. You're, you got comfortable, basically. Those are the people that I want to help to say using your competitive aspect of you that you've had before, it doesn't go away. You just stop using it. But to put it back to the forefront and say, because at one point I like to integrate spirituality with my clients. I like them to meditate. I like them to, and by like, I'm. it's not a choice. If you want to work with me, you're going to watch what you eat. You're going to have a you're going to start being more spiritual because I want you to connect with yourself. I want you to figure out who you are, what you want, and then we can figure out, put a plan together to get what you want. But I'd say that one of the biggest things that I do with customers, and that's one of the things that most people have problems with is cutting ties with people. Because one of the things that I say, I see too often is people are surrounded by very negative people, very, very negative people. And it prevents them from doing whatever it is that they want to accomplish. And it's hard to say that to somebody to say, listen, your, your family is toxic to you. Maybe it's time for you to take a break. Even if it's a two months break, a six months break, however long you need to take that break. You need to get away from the people that are toxic and recenter on yourself. Just go back inside, as we say, and figure out who you are without the external, without the external impact. So spend time with yourself. Leave the distractions alone. Stop spending all your days on social media. Stop being around toxic people and 
be yourself again. There's all these major addictions like social media, like yep. relationships, you know, even romantic relationships can be addictive. They can be very codependent. And Absolutely. a lot of people just don't Absolutely. know how to go about solving it because you feel that if you lose that, you can't make it. You feel lost. And yep. so you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And it's scary to most people to spend that time alone. This is the scariest part. You said it well earlier. It's really that people do not like to spend time alone. They're scared to hear themselves for the first time. And that's why as soon as there is a moment alone, you have your cell phone to take it out. And yeah, oh my yeah. God, who liked my Instagram post? I am guilty of this like, to the T. Seriously. It's, it is something I really want to work on setting those boundaries. You know, yeah. I, I want to, at some point, I, I'm not ready for this yet, but I really want to start Im implementing this. Cause when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm just not ready to say that yet, but I really want to start turning my, uh, phone, like not off. Cause I have to set my alarm, but like no notifications before 9am, you know, and that way I have an hour in the morning. If I get up at eight or seven or whatever, yeah. I have an hour to myself, maybe go for a walk, drink some water, or like stop drinking coffee, whatever it is. And then at night I'm like, the phone is the last thing I look at before I go to bed. Yeah. And most of the time it's the first one. It's the first thing you look at when you get up. Yeah. It's really, it's all about, I would say that the most important thing is becoming conscious or aware of what you do. Because if you, I use myself all the time, but I have purpose behind what I do. I'm not somebody that scrolls through me, social media, but I'm normally, I will be doing, I'll be posting, I'll be interacting with people, but I don't spend time just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. There's a, it's a tool that gives you access to, in, to interface with people. It's a social tool. It's not meant to burn your life on. Right. Right. No, it's that's what I need to start doing. It's, uh, it's But it's hard. being conscious. It's just being aware. Just being aware of what you do. Exactly. And I think that can be helpful through meditation. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Pimp yourself out. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at The Smiling Vegan. And if you just look at my bio there, there's links to every single thing that I do in there. Perfect. So, yeah. Perfect. Thank you for having me, by the way. This was, I think, super eye-opening for me. I hope it was really helpful to everybody that was listening. I want you to come on again soon. I want people to Anytime. check out your website. I want them to buy your merchandise. There's a lot of really, really great things that you're doing. So thank you for everything, Nico. This was awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for having me in any time. Thank you. Bye, guys. Recording stopped. <laughs> Perfect! Yay!